Talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talk a little bit about benefits. Yeah, benefits. Talking benefits. You're listening to Talking Benefits, the podcast brought to you by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. Every month, we dive into retirement, healthcare, hot topics and trends, and whatever else the benefits industry throws at us. I'm Justin Held. I'm Ann Patterson. I'm Julie Stick. And I'm Kelly Colesrude. Now let's talk benefits. Hello, listeners. We are back with another COVID-19 episode. I can't think of an industry that hasn't been disrupted by the coronavirus pandemic. And for those working in employee benefits and HR, this meant scrambling to make quick adjustments to their healthcare and retirement benefits to meet participant needs. So in the last episode, we talked about how the pandemic has impacted retirement plans. Today, we're shifting focus to healthcare-related changes, including prescription drug plans, mental health benefits, and virtual care like telehealth. First off, I think we should, I mean, we can all acknowledge that it's really important to have broad-based testing to help control the spread of the coronavirus. And so because of that, one provision of the Families First Coronavirus Response Act that was enacted on March 18th requires all group health plans and health insurers to cover coronavirus testing without any cost sharing. So that means no deductibles, co-payments, or co-insurance can be charged. Even health plans that are grandfathered under the Affordable Care Act must cover this testing without cost sharing. In addition, the testing cannot be subject to prior authorization or any other type of medical management requirement. Related to that, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, or CARES Act, was passed on March 27th, and it amended the family's first law to include a broader range of diagnostic items and services that plans have to cover without any cost-sharing requirements or prior authorization. So, for example, if a health care provider orders other tests, like a blood test or an influenza test, to determine the need for COVID-19 testing, the plan must cover these additional tests free of cost-sharing if a COVID-19 test is ultimately ordered. This coverage mandate applies for the duration of the public health emergency. And I'll just note before we move on that this uh, no cost sharing mandates, uh, it applies only for coronavirus testing. Uh, That does not mean that coronavirus treatments is subject to the same rules. Let's shift gears and get into prescription drug plans a bit. Um, So when this all started, employers obviously knew that getting their employees easier access to prescription drugs was paramount. And uh, making adjustments to limit trips to the pharmacy for employees was a big priority as well. So for many workers, the use of maintenance drugs is critical to preventing a major illness and for managing chronic conditions. These drugs are even more critical now. If individuals with underlying conditions contract uh, COVID-19, they could find the virus's complications to be even more intense and make recovery more challenging. So the International Foundation recently conducted a survey on the effect of the coronavirus on employee benefits and found that 35% of organizations have extended time allowed under prior authorization periods So these maintenance drugs are more easily accessible, which is really important, obviously. 
That's right, Anne. Uh, and in addition, 13% uh, of responding employers have totally waived their prior authorization requirements for prescription drugs, and 9% uh, are also considering doing so in the future. Another thing we asked about relates to the typical prescription limit. So how many pills you can get in each script? So a typical prescription limit before the pandemic for many maintenance drugs was a 30-day supply. As we mentioned, many people are trying to limit their exposure to other people and follow safer at home recommendations. So our survey found that 29% of organizations have increased their prescription quantity limits due to the pandemic. Only 7% had this in place before the pandemic. I know I was all concerned about having enough toilet paper when this all started, and I was not one of those people who stocked up like crazy. But I realized also I didn't have enough like inhaler juice left. So I quickly went to the pharmacy. I, I, I could do the drive-thru. I didn't have to go in, which was good. And once I had like a couple inhalers on standby, I felt a lot more relieved. Um, the same goes for the toilet paper as well. Having a, enough <laughs> <laughs> available is a relief as well for both of those. <laughs> yes, that was a big, big scary part of this, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So before we move on, I just want to remind you about related changes to qualified medical expenses reimbursable through FSAs, HSAs, and HRAs. Retroactive to January 1st of this year, over-the-counter medications can be reimbursed through these accounts without a prescription, and menstrual care products are reimbursable now too. This reverses a 2014 ACA mandate. So switching gears, uh, mental health during this time has obviously been a serious concern for everyone, and it's especially challenging for employers because stress levels can um, vary from worker to worker. You're right, Justin, and I mean, some workers are dealing with isolation and um, the anxiety that comes with that, but others are just dealing with work-life balance concerns because they have children, they need to homeschool or they don't have access to childcare. And some employees are working from home alongside their partners. And this can make a relationship better or it can make it worse. Uh, we've been listening to discussions about how this enforced togetherness is causing relationship strains. And there could be escalated incidents of domestic violence. These issues are impacting workers now and likely will have lasting effects even as companies start the process of allowing workers back into the office. Well, and on the other side of the equation, I mean, there are some workers that are on the front lines and, um, or they have loved ones or family members who are, so that comes with a huge amount of stress. Just related to that, Kelly, some employers have been forced to furlough staff, so those employees are dealing with the stress of losing their job, which just comes with a whole other set of issues. And related to that, we will get into healthcare coverage for furloughed staff a little later on in the episode to see how employers are navigating that. And along with all this constant stress and anxiety that we're all living with comes increased suicide and addiction risks. Yeah, and so to streamline access to mental health coverage, um, our survey showed that 9% of responding organizations have reduced or eliminated their caution for mental uh, and behavioral health benefits, with an additional 9% uh, considering doing so in the future. Another interesting data point concerns telepsychiatry. 
which is mental health services via phone or virtual meeting. That has been added by uh, 12% of organizations in response to COVID-19, and another 12% are considering doing that. Almost half of employers had telepsychiatry in place already before the pandemic. I know I have a couple of friends who are able to continue their visits with their mental health provider um, just by doing that through telepsych. So that's awesome that more employers are stepping up and looking at those coverage options right now. Agreed. Absolutely. And definitely EAPs. I'm always a proponent of EAPs. They've been a great resource for employees right now. And 27% of our responding organizations told us that they're adding services or are considering adding additional EAP services in the future. And Julie, you wrote a really great blog post recently about using EAP services during this time. Um, And there's a lot of helpful services through EAPs, including access to mental health and substance abuse counselors, financial advisors, attorneys, childcare providers, family and child counselors, um, a lot of others as appropriate. Um, So EAPs also provide educational and informational resources. Our HR team has been sending um, different like videos from our EAP. They have a lot of great virtual resources. So yeah, just a great thing to keep in mind right now is another resource. Yeah, definitely. If you already have contracted with an EAP, make sure to tap their services now more than ever. And promote them to your your workers. Remind remind people they're there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually had a lot of great ideas that came in from uh, responding employers to our survey. Uh, One company has been offering uh, employees uh, free webinars from their EAP on topics that cover financial education, stress management, and caregiving. They're also encouraging staff to engage with each other through online board games, uh, remote scavenger hunts, craft nights, MTV crib style Uh, tours of their home offices, which (laughs) sounds pretty exciting, Um, Zoom exercise groups, and weekly videos from the CEO where he answers uh, questions that are submitted um, anonymously from workers. So a lot of fun ideas, a big variety of offerings that we just wanted to share from some of those write-in responses. Well, in that same vein, we're we're doing some cool things at the International Foundation. Mm -hmm. I know um, we have a whole section of our our Microsoft Teams area devoted to fun activities where employees can share recipes or great shows to binge watch or respond to a fun question of the day just to promote interaction so we don't lose those connections that are so important to keep morale up. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of creative ideas out there. Um, One more comment came in from an employer who took the survey that was such an important message. They said that their top leadership has communicated to employees that it's okay to reach out and say, you know, I'm not okay. And there are people to help. So this company is implementing other fun tactics to keep their employees connected. But I thought that message from the CEO was awesome and just so important to reiterate at this time. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll dive into virtual care and what employers are doing for furloughed workers. The International Foundation has over 32,000 members across the U.S. and Canada from all walks of the work world, including desk and deskless workers, and we'd love it if you joined our ranks. Foundation members get a ton of benefits like discounted registration for many educational events, free webcasts, and legal and legislative updates, just to name a few. 
See what the foundation can do for you. Visit ifebp.org slash membership today. As we begin to navigate the future of work life during the COVID-19 pandemic, employers need to develop smart plans, ensuring the health and safety of their work population. Register today for the International Foundation's COVID-19 Return to the Workplace Strategies virtual conference on June 4th, 2020. You'll get guidance for developing a safe, legal, and effective strategy for transitioning workers back into the workplace. Your registration also allows you on-demand access to view sessions after the conference. Learn more at ifebp.org slash return to work. And we're back. Virtual care and telehealth have been buzzwords for a while, but the pandemic has pushed those buzzwords to the forefront of our vocabulary. We're saying them all the time, it seems like. That is so true, Anne. And to help workers receive medical care while reducing the risk of exposure, nearly all employers are offering telehealth services. That's right, Julie. Uh, Almost nine in 10 responding employers uh, were already offering telehealth services, but since the pandemic, an additional 10% of employers have implemented or are considering implementing telehealth benefits. So almost all employees can now receive medical care virtually. Well, and nearly half of respondents reduced or eliminated cost sharing for those telehealth and telemedicine services due to the pandemic to make them even more easily accessible. Nurse advice lines were already in place for most organizations, 75% prior to the pandemic, and now one in 10 are reducing or eliminating cost sharing for those nurse advice line services. One employer who took this survey said they have a full-time nurse practitioner who's available to employees via virtual appointments and limited in-person appointments. The nurse is great about reminding employees to use their EAP, so that's another nice way to communicate the service to employees. Way to continue being a cheerleader for EAPs, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So speaking of virtual, virtual care, I used our telehealth service back in March when I was sick, and it was really nice to not have to go somewhere in person to get that care. Just speaking to somebody over the phone, kind of navigating through my, my healthcare that way was, was great. I wasn't putting myself or others at risk by going into a quick care clinic. Thank you, Anne. So unfortunately, many employers have had to lay off or furlough some of their employees. Uh, according to our survey, 31% of employers temporarily furloughed workers and 13% are considering doing so. It was interesting to find out how these employers are handling health care benefits for those furloughed workers. Right you are, Justin. Our survey showed that the largest portion of employers are offering coverage for the entire period as if these furloughed workers were actively employed. So they're sharing the cost as usual between the worker and the employer. And that was 38% of the employers we polled. Now another quarter of employers are offering coverage for the entire period of the furlough, but the employer is paying the full cost of coverage. And yet another quarter of employers are offering coverage but only for a limited time and then they're sharing the cost as usual between the worker and the employer. 
That's right, Kelly. And by contrast, um, of the workers who are laid off, uh, not just temporarily furloughed, 61% are provided health care coverage through COBRA with the worker paying 100% of the cost. And these furloughs and layoffs are adding to the challenges that these times are bringing forth for everyone. So we would really appreciate hearing how you and your organization are weathering the pandemic. You can submit your story at ifabp.org slash benefits together. You can use that site to see what other organizations are doing and then submit your own story too if you have something that's working for you right now. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast and the topics you might want us to cover. So please send us an email at podcast at ifedp.org, and we might even give you a listener shout out. That is right. And that is going to wrap up this episode, and we will be back in your podcast feed soon. So until next time, stay safe and healthy. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. And subscribe to the show in your podcast app so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Talking Benefits is a production of the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, the largest educational association for those working in the benefits industry. If you're into benefits, check out all that the International Foundation has to offer at ifebp.org. Our show is hosted by Julie Stick, Kelly Colesrud, Ann Patterson, and me, Justin Held. Produced by Rose Pleva and Stacey Van Alstein and edited by Amanda Gilsmer. Today's program is copyrighted in 2020 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. All rights reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel. You don't really check levels then, do you? Or No. I, yeah. You have no control over us is the oh thing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I can mute you. I have muting powers. I think I've said navigating like six times. That's true. <laughs> I can't Personal stop saying navigating. <laughs>